Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this series, we're examining every single goddamn page of Alien Hunger, a quick start adventure for Vampire the Masquerade, to determine what is the dumbest thing on that page. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. If you'd like to play along at home, this is 1991's Alien Hunger, the official PDF release from White Wolf. Tonight, we're discussing page eight of Alien Hunger. This page continues the introduction. The prose style continues to be pompous and annoying, but I don't want to get into it because this page has huge spoilers. As I mentioned uh, previously, there are some pages we're just going to skip. We're going to do something else on those days because the spoiler content is so heavy. There's really nothing else to talk about. But while this page is almost one of those, as it starts to get into an outline of the plot for the storyteller, there's a little detail here that I want to talk about. Like, for some reason, it just sticks in my mind. And so this day could easily be like a day off where we talk about something else. But I just want to think something through. So there's a bit here for storytellers about how to hook in and elaborate the emotional experience and the psychological shift of becoming a vampire for players. It says, quote, concentrate on the little things as well. This story is designed for characters who have just been gifted with vampirism. Vampirism has a capital V there, even though this is not vampirism the masquerade. You can't fucking trademark an undead state of being. I have grave news for you, Mina. Your friend Lucy has been afflicted with vampirism. Trademark. Do not steal. Anyway, quote, keep this in mind and try to remind the characters of the little day-to-day things that have changed for them forever. For example, the fact that uh, they no longer live day-to-day. Don't say day-to-day to new vampires, that's a dick move. But all right. Quote, for example, mention to the male characters that they still have to shave, although their hair no longer grows. I was puzzled by this. I, I don't know how fast other people's hair grows on their face, and I also don't know how much beard other people are willing to tolerate in the name of a leisurely morning. For me, the answers are a little bit and a tremendous amount, respectively. What I do know is how fast the hair on the face of a vampire grows. The answer is zero. You will acquire zero new hairs and zero new hair growth as a vampire. What will happen to you, a la Interview with the Vampire, is that if you try to cut or shave your hair, it will go back to the length that it was when you died. Because in Vampire the Masquerade, your body always wants to revert back to its state at death. That's the state that you're suspended in by vampirism. So like vampire body doesn't heal per se. So like you don't get scars or anything like that. Instead, it reverts back to its original form. So like you heal wounds by going back to the way you were. So you are going to have the amount of hair on your face that you had on whatever day, at whatever time of day, you were embraced, which is vampire talk for being turned into a vampire. And you know what? I guess for some guys that could really be an inconvenience. I feel as though if you have a beard, unless you're very picky, you're going to be fine. You know, unless this happens to be a moment when when your beard is in an intolerable level of disrepair just because of the vicissitudes of life. I, <laughs> I'm sorry, I forgot this was vampire and you can't just say vicissitudes. If you've got a Zamishi to fleshcraft your face, your beard problems are solved. You got a lot of other problems, but a beard ain't one. What I mean is it could just randomly happen that you are extremely unhappy with your beard and like how long it is and how it's groomed at the moment of your death, (laughs) which is a fate that we all fear. But for a vampire, it's particularly poignant because now you have to live like your your beard is going to get messy in that infuriating way again every time you wake up at night. If you're clean shaven and you really love to be clean shaven, you don't like a little bit of stubble, 
then sure, if you get embraced at like the end of a long day, maybe you went to work and then you just went straight home and like you're one of those people whose beard grows really fast. And so you got a little bit of like dark stubble, you got that five o'clock shadow and then you get embraced and now every day you gotta wake up and like shave off the stubble. That's a little bit annoying. If I were you, I would just accept it. I would just steer into it. People like stubble and people like stubble, I feel like more if you look like you're clean shaven and like the stubble has just come in. It makes you look simultaneously busy, but also relaxed. It makes you look important because you had to handle something and it couldn't wait. We use this coding in fiction all the time. Men in a situation, serious men, stubbled men, because it's late at night and like they got up this morning and put on their suits and ties, but now their ties are all loosened and they got stubble because this is too serious to fuck around over the sink, shaving the stubble and cleaning up all the little, you don't have time for that shit. The world is in crisis. This is one reason that AMABs have it easier looking impressively disheveled in those kinds of scenes. I think we should adopt the trope that when shit's real serious, women who are like powerful wizards or heads of state or whatever it is in your story don't have time to wear bras. They just have to jump right out of bed and go right to work. And so when you have a bunch of very powerful women in leadership positions and the world is on the brink of chaos, everybody's tits are all over the place. You could even use it to escalate the tension within a scene. Wherever a masculine character would like loosen their tie, I want to see powerful women in mid-conversation taking off their bras, doing the little shoulder shrug thing to get them off from under the shirt, and then throwing them across the room. Probably there's like a body man there whose job is to gather up the bras. You can't have the leaders of the free world slash the magical kingdom tripping over their own bras, incapacitating themselves at a vital moment. You need to have like some kind of a servant who follows them around. <laughs> gathers up their bras. You know what? This is uh, turning into something it didn't start as. I could talk about this another time with the right audience. Big titty world leaders, call me. But this does transition nicely into the actual point of today's episode, believe it or not. This is what was confusing to me about this passage, that it specifies male characters. Remind those male characters that they still have to shave. As we've established, barring weird circumstances, male characters probably have pretty close to the amount and like style of facial hair that they want when they're embraced. And they may have to do a tiny bit of upkeep. But number one, it's not so onerous. And number two, if they don't, no big deal. A little bit of stubble just signifies that you're serious and here for business, baby. I'm here, I'm braless, and I'm ready to go. However, imagine the plight of the femme vampire. It's 1975. You're one of the most beautiful people in your glamorous European city, if not in the world. You're hobnobbing with all the rich and famous. You're living life like it'll never end, little knowing that your life will be very short, yet last for an eternity. Some Toreador finds you. You are mutually amazed by finding in each other a peer for your own beauty. They embrace you. Here's the problem. It's wintertime. It is the winter of 1970 goddamn five. You have, and with no aesthetic judgment, I say this, a bush down to your goddamn knees. You have fully hairy thighs, everything. This was not meant for public consumption. You've got one very rich man wrapped around your finger. That's why he took you on a ski trip. Are you going to go to the trouble of being hairless for this man in this place? Fuck no. He's not a sugaring daddy. He's a sugar daddy. The sugar is money, and it goes in one direction from him to you. You're on like a ski vacation. It's the middle of the winter. You get to have a full bush and all his money. This is your time and place of power. You, why would you fuck it up for yourself? Well, I'll tell you why. Although, of course, you couldn't have foreseen this. Now you have to live with that for the rest of your existence. Fast forward, present day, 2023. 
soon you will, albeit ambivalently, celebrate 50 years among the undead. Your lifestyle is similar now to what it was before. To get what you need, which is now blood, you charm, you manipulate, you seduce. And that's much easier for you in the winter, because when it's summer, fashions have changed. And if you want to look sexy, but also like you're not secretly from 1975, you are going to have to at least trim, if not shave or wax, all of that shit every single night. And this is not just a problem for femmes who were on skiing trips in the 1970s. Obviously, there were lots of times and places where you wouldn't have fucked around with your hair at all in ways that in many cultures today would be expected. I'm from the Pacific Northwest, where we all woke up one morning and realized that all humans are entitled to armpit hair as a basic human right. But a lot of places never had that moment. A lot of places you go in the United States, you want to accomplish certain things as a woman. You gotta have bald-ass armpits. I don't know why people like them, but they do. If you had the misfortune of being from a time or place, including, by the way, like COVID times, <laughs> when, I mean, look, I don't know. You keep your own counsel about this, but... Those of you who habitually shave your armpits for public, did you fully keep up during COVID? Maybe you maybe you did. Maybe you shaved your armpits to baby smoothness every single goddamn day and then just stood and admired yourself in the mirror all day long during quarantine. I would guess that you did not. And if a vampire embraced you during that time, now you're stuck with this for life. What if you were just about to shave tomorrow? What if, and here's where like the present day situation comes in. Because some of the pregens are women. We got a lot of new vampires being created across the world all the time in Vampire the Masquerade. Let's say a woman goes to the goth club, early 20s. She's just there to like see friends and dance. Sometimes she hooks up at the club, but not tonight. Tonight's just like have some fun, hang out, go home. Her legs are fully covered in whatever outfit she's put together. Armpits too. Her look is not bad. Her look is good. It's just situationally, she didn't have to do all the upkeep. I'll shave my armpits tomorrow, she said. She gets embraced at the goth club, and now she's got to deal with armpits that have like just a little bit too much hair every single goddamn day. Her legs, too. Imagine if you got embraced with fully hairy legs, and for whatever bullshit culture gender reason, you need your legs to be hairless. You are now stuck fleecing both of your legs every night. You have murders to commit. You don't have time for that. You're going to have to get a ghoul to shave your legs while you're sleeping. And when vampire hunters come after you, number one, they're going to be somewhat confused. Number two, once they think it through, it's a dead giveaway. Who's dead asleep at 5 p.m. getting their legs shaved by a third party? Vampires. So the dumbest thing on this page is that the storyteller is instructed to address specifically the male characters in the PC group and be like, this gift you have received is also a curse. For when you awaken in the evening, you see that the telltale tiny black dots of stubble have reappeared upon your once clean-shaven face, and you must skim over them with a razor real quick, or perchance, people will think you're a cool guy. Meanwhile, the women in the group are like, you know what? I was depressed this month. I was really busy at work. The hair on my head is a fucking wreck. My legs are not shaved. My armpits are not shaved. It was a lonely weekend, and I was planning to bleach this shit on my upper lip on Sunday night. But fate had other plans, and now I'm a hirsute seductress with a little mustache for all eternity. But yeah, by all means, cry about your fucking five o'clock shadow. 
And I'm not saying it doesn't suck. It, it, it does. There's a real gender double standard here. I, I don't think it should exist in vampire society. I think if, if there's nothing else we can do about this, my headcanon is when the primogen, the, the elder vampires of the city assemble, regardless of gender, regardless of what era they were born, there are two things you can count on. Number one, they're hairy motherfuckers. Number two, no bras. Either nowhere to be found or I or someone like me is taking them to another room while very serious vampires discuss matters of undead society. I hope you don't feel cheated that this was today's episode. If it hadn't been this, it would have just been a spoiler page and we would have had to talk about dumb vampire powers or some bullshit. Speaking of which, join me tomorrow to talk about dumb vampire powers or some bullshit on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been Mega Dumbcast. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Social media was never healthy and is now dying, so if you want to contact me, you can email me. I am megadumbcast at gmail.com. This season's theme song is Suck City by Black Math, whose work you can find at freemusicarchive.org slash music slash black underscore math. Dumbheads, I will catch you next time.